0: Well, thank you. <clears throat> Good morning to you all. Well, Nate asked me to give a little advertisement for our upcoming Wednesday series in February, and we're going to talk about God's heart for the poor. And I have just a fantastic team of people that I get to work with at Freedom Fire. and. Pretty much our whole staff is going to have some sort of involvement in this series. We're going to kick it off with Alan Chug. Some of you guys know Alan. He's taught here before, but he's going to do a biblical analysis of God's heart for the poor, really diving deep, and it is profound, and he does such a good job of it. So Alan's going to kick it off, and then the next Wednesday, it's going to be Melvin Cole, and he's going to talk about lessons from the poor. Now, Melvin grew up in the heart of the inner city. He was one of 12 kids, single mom and new incredible hardships. One of the best basketball players in the city at the time, but his first pair of new basketball shoes he got when he was a junior in high school. Before that, it was always uh, shoes he'd gotten, uh, hand-me-downs or thrift store. And he's going to share some of the stories that he learned growing up in that community, and it will be uh, a life changer for you. So I encourage you to be there for that. And then uh, Kevin Casey, who's been on our staff forever, he's going to be sharing about misconceptions that suburbanites have towards the inner city. And then I'm going to bring it home, the fourth one, and just talk about practical ways that we can engage the poor, and more importantly, our hearts to be engaged. And I'm going to bring a business buddy of mine with me who who has been highly successful in the business world, and how caring for the poor has helped him keep his equilibrium in life. So it's going to be a profound time. I encourage you to come and hang with us. We'd love to see you on Wednesday nights. That would be great. Well, moving on. A week from today, we got a pretty special event happening, do we not? It's the Pro Pro Bowling Championship Series. I'm sure you have your DVRs set already. The Shavers already have tickets. So they're going to be there. And it's just going to be, no, no, it's not bowling. We know it's the Chiefs, right? A big time. And it is funny to watch all the coverage. I mean, everything, ESPN, sports radio, it's all about the Chiefs, the 49ers, the Super Bowl, the 50-year drought, and all that. And I get a kick out of listening to some of the, the verbiage there. I mean, it's just it, its just unbelievable some of the things that are said. I, I love some of the pearls of wisdom, you know, that you get some from some of these sports commentators. Like, you know, if we just put more points on the board, we'll win. But... That makes sense. Yep. Okay. I'm glad you pointed that out to me. I, I was unaware of that. Another thing, I, I love this, they were talking about one of the overtime games. And they said, you know, it was the team that scored the last play that won in overtime. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense in football. Yes, it does. You know, an- another one said, you know, if we just make more tackles. You know, so some of the pearls of wisdom are crazy and some of the voices we hear are kind of funny. Some of them are insightful. But it's interesting, this season, this Super Bowl season, we're missing one of the local voices on sports radio. There is a guy who is probably the most prominent, preeminent sports commentator in Kansas City on the radio that lost his job recently. And here's what happened. If you, if you didn't hear about this, it was several months ago. He made some comments about Andy Reid and his family. And I won't go into the details about it because it's, it's just not worth it. But they were pretty bad. He crossed some lines on the things that he said. And there was a huge uproar. Uh, radio folks, the listeners, were calling in, complaining, saying, that was bad. That was inappropriate. And then the sportscaster got called in with some of the executives of the radio station. He said, man, you've got to clean this up. You've got to get on the air. And you need to apologize. So he did. The next day, he got on the air, and he made an apology. <clears throat> But he butchered it. As he apologized, he made all these excuses. Well, here's why I did it. And if this hadn't happened, you know, and he made excuses. He minimized it. And it was terrible. And the end result was this guy, who was probably the preeminent sportscaster in in Kansas City, was fired. But it came down because he didn't know how to say he was sorry. Now, there's a lot of lessons we can learn from that that uh, life story that happened not long ago. One is what you say really matters. We got to be careful what what comes out of our mouth. We need to put a filter on, right? Easier said than done, but we need to do it. James 1 talks about that. You know, the fire that we can set ablaze if we don't watch the words that come out of our mouth. But the other lesson is about forgiveness. One, being forgiving, but also knowing how to ask for forgiveness. And that's what I want to focus in On today. And so let's look at a passage that relates to this, really covers this topic really well. It's from Ephesians chapter 4. And so if you turn to Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 26 through 32. And so you can turn your, open your Bibles or use your phones to find it. And I'm trusting, Tom, you're not texting or emailing. And so, okay, just checking, just checking. So, well, here's, here's what uh, Ephesians 4 says, I, it's advice that the Apostle Paul gives us regarding how to relate to each other. Now, I'm not going to read this whole passage. It's fairly long, but I do encourage you to read it during the service or, or before you go to bed tonight, that you read through this whole passage. But I'm going to read the last two verses, verses 31 and 32. And here's what it says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger, and clamor, and slander be put away. Along with all malice, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Now, there's a lot in this passage, not just these two verses, but uh, the verses that precede it. There's a lot to unpack there, and it's easy to miss it at first glance. But let's just take a minute to unpack some of these these nuggets of wisdom that the Apostle Paul gives us through the unction of the Holy Spirit. Well, first of all, some of the language in this passage, it talks about putting on and putting off. It's kind of like putting on a jacket or taking off a jacket. And so one of the things he's saying, and, and, and the Greek really lends itself to this, where it's taking on and taking off. We need to put off anger. We need to put off bitterness. We need to put off unforgiveness. And just like when you take your clothes off, when you take your jacket off, it's a deliberate act, right? You got to think it through. You got to do it. There's an action involved. There's, there's a process which you do it and you're conscious about it. It's not something that just happens by happenstance. It's something we have to do. And then likewise, we got to put on, we got to put on God's love his forgiveness, his kindness. It's a conscious decision that we've gotta do. So there's a putting on and a putting off that that comes here. Now also say this, that when it comes to forgiveness, when it comes to releasing people from debts that you feel like they owe you, that it's a conscious decision that you have to do, but you do it not just because it's right, Because a lot of people would do it because it's the right thing. I mean, a lot of religions will tell you, you've got to be forgiving. A lot of philosophies will tell you, you've got to be forgiving. A lot of psychologists will tell you, you've got to be forgiving. In fact, at George Bush's funeral, talking about senior, I'm not breaking any news. As far as I know, junior is still alive. But at George Bush Sr.'s funeral, one of his friends got up and said this about uh, President George Bush. He said, he was a man who did not harbor Hatred or unforgiveness. He said those things are terrible. He said they only corrode the vessel in which they're carried. And that's true. So a lot of philosophies, a lot of smart people will tell you, you got to be forgiving. It's the right thing to do. We know that. But we want to do it for more than just being the right reason. We want to do it, as it says in verse 32, it's because of who God is. We forgive because he first forgave us. That's our motivation in forgiving because it's part of the DNA and who God is. So we want to be forgiving because God is a forgiving God. And I want to say this, that if we're not forgiving, we're not walking with God because God is a forgiving God. And so that's something that should be part of who we are. But you know what? It doesn't come naturally. It's a supernatural thing and it's a learned thing. And so we're going to unpack that a little bit. Another thing about unforgiveness here and bitterness. It's, it's a form of anger. It is. It's a form of anger. Now, anger's not necessarily wrong. In verse 26 of this passage, it says, be angry, but sin not. You know, Jesus was angry, wasn't he? He got angry a number of times. He overturned tables, but he still loved people, and he didn't sin in the midst of it. So, anger's a legit emotion. God made us to be emotional. I'm, and I'm, I'm getting up in the years and I'm just now learning that emotions really are okay, that God gave us emotions for a purpose. I I grew up with with a father who was a World War II vet and the philosophy of a lot of people coming out of World War II is you don't talk about your emotions. You just don't do it. And that's what I was brought up with. But I've come to realize, no, you know, emotions are a God-given gift. Anger is a God-given gift. There are certain things that you should be angry about, but sin not. And where bitterness and unforgiveness comes is from anger. But what happens is it's an emotion that's gone bad. It's like putting a, a leftovers from dinner out on the cabinet or out on the counter and not putting it away. And after time, it turns rancid. and It smells and it stinks because it was unattended. And that's what happens with anger. It's like we put it out on the kitchen counter. We don't tend to it and it becomes rancid and it becomes stinky. And so anger is the root of unforgiveness. It's an emotion that has gone bad, and it's something that we have to give attention to if we want to be free from it. You know, oftentimes with bitterness and unforgiveness, what happens is we kind of wish that bad things would happen to the person that we hold it against. Now, we're sophisticated, right? We don't go out and say that, and we we think thoughts, you know, I just wish they'd be put in their place, or someone would teach them a lesson, and probably the worst thing that happens, and, and this happens to me, and I'm guessing you've had this battle before, where you get into these mind games. You know what I'm saying? You, you have an offense with someone. They've done you wrong. They did you dirty. And you're mad. And you start getting get these role games. Oh, if I just had the chance, if I ever get in a room with them, and the circumstances are right, here's what I would say to them. They need to hear this, this, and this. And I'm going to let them have it. Both barrels. I'm going to do it. And you get into this thing and it becomes an obsession and you just can't shake it. You keep thinking about it, right? And it's just terrible. You can be out mowing the yard and you're thinking about it. And it can just obsess, be obsessive. And you need freedom from it. But it comes through forgiveness. You don't want to live your life that way. You don't want your thoughts to be consumed with that, with unforgiveness and these stupid role plays and mind games that we play. We want freedom from that. God wants you to be free from that. Because unforgiveness is a prison. We don't want it. It contradicts the character of God and who he is. Now, there are some impediments that keep us from being able to forgive. One is pride. One is pride. You know, we hold it against them. They did me wrong, and they should have never done that. And so I'm not going to forgive them. But it's really coming from a place of pride. The other side of the coin, too, is sometimes we, we, uh, we won't ask for forgiveness Because of pride. Because we are taught that you got to hold it together. You know, our relationships, unfortunately, because the way our culture is, a lot of times, they're just based on our strengths. We're not willing to let people see our weaknesses, the cracks, or the flaws that we have. And so when you say you're sorry, you're admitting that you did something wrong. And then you might fall into this deal where you feel like you're a failure if you admit that you're wrong. If you can believe this, in seminary, I had a professor once say this, that if you said something that was wrong in the pulpit, don't, don't own up to it to the next week, because you don't want to shake their confidence. I'm like, really? Really? Like, you don't know. I mean, some of you guys know me fairly well. I've been hanging around for a while. I'm like a bad penny that keeps coming back. And some of you guys, you're well acquainted with my, my flaws. Daniel stoned me forever. And, but the, we just need to be honest, and, not re- and we need to realize that even though we've blown it, it doesn't mean we're a failure. Mistakes don't mean you're a failure. You need to be able to open up and be transparent and say, yeah, I blew it and I'm sorry. And So pride sometimes keeps us from doing that. Sometimes it's the other end of the spectrum. We feel, we think too low of ourselves. It's like, ah, oh, I blew it again. I've been trying not to do it, but I blew it again. And so now I am just so embarrassed, I'm not even going to address it. So you run away from it out of embarrassment, shame, self-condemnation. And, and don't pretend like you haven't been there. All right, we've all been there where we, we know we said something out of line and we see them walking down the hallway and they're going to the coffee station and that's where you were going, but they were going there, so you dip into the bathroom. <laughs> you know how it is. You avoid it. Sometimes it's because we feel shame or we feel too low about ourselves. Another impediment is we think too little. Now, here's what I mean by that, is we think too little about what God has done for us. We're able to love because he first loved us. Likewise, we're able to forgive because he first forgave us. I think an unforgiven heart is an unforgiving person. Sometimes we're not able to to forgive because we haven't really fully received God's forgiveness to us, or we haven't fully grasped the incredible love and forgiveness that God has given us. And so we need to lay hold of that. Like, God, you have forgiven me from so much. I need to forgive my brother. Lord, would you enable me to forgive him? That needs to be our heart. We need to recognize that. So don't let these impediments keep you from forgiving. Now, it's not easy being forgiving. It's a supernatural thing. I I don't think in our, our natural flesh we can do an adequate job of it. Because it's a supernatural act. We need God's grace to do it. And I, I have three suggestions for you that that I believe will help you. These are, are road tested, by the way. I've used these and they've worked. And we had a testimony earlier uh, after our first service where a guy said amen to these points that they have helped him. The first is prayer. We need to pray and ask God for help in forgiving others. And it is a supernatural thing. We need to pray fervently and honestly with God. Tell him if you're angry. Tell him about your bitterness. Tell him your feelings. Be honest with God because he knows it anyway. But tell him and he'll help you. God smiles when we're honest with him. And when we tell him where we're at. And he will give you divine help. There's a divine exchange that happens when we do that. The other thing is we've got to be persistent. It's not enough to just pray once. I, I used to think, Forgive me, I'm kind of a shallow thinker, but I used to think that, you know, if I just pray once, it's done. But I've been hurt a few times in my life, as I'm sure many of you, if you've been around the block a few times, where it was hurtful. I mean, really hurtful. I mean, we can get hurt sometimes, and it's not such a big deal because those people are kind of removed from us, and it doesn't affect us the same way, but the greatest hurts are usually from those people that are closest to us, right? Right? family, co-workers, fellow church members. And we, we feel it in a heavier way. And so it takes more to really get to that point of forgiveness. But the way we do it is through persistence. And I know in my own life, I know in one particular situation where I, I, I had been hurt by some, some folks who are very close to me. And I prayed, Lord, I forgive them. I said, okay, good. I did that And then a week later, I see these people and the same emotions come up again. And I have to pray again. And I want to tell you, it probably took me three to four years to get over it. I had to pray regularly and persistently every time that feeling came up. Now, we'll say this, it seemed like the waves came in fewer the longer I went out. And so it wasn't like, you know, the intensity was at the beginning. But I had to do it for three or four years. I had to pray persistently. And I had to be patient. That's the other tip in this. Prayer, persistence, and patience. And I can't tell you the exact moment. But I know there was a time where I looked back and I thought, that anxious, unforgiving feeling is gone. God had lifted it. And he will do that for you. God's word tells us he will. But we got to be prayerful, we got to be patient, and we got to be persistent. And God will do it. And I will say this, that if we don't learn to do that, we'll never have any relationships that are worth their salt. Because every relationship we have that's close to us, there's going to be opportunity for offense. There's going to be opportunity for unforgiveness. I mean, every relationship... And so the way that you have healthy relationships in your life is learning to be forgiving. This is an important part of our spiritual journey. Now, there is another side to the coin, isn't there? One, we got to be forgiving, but we need to learn to ask for forgiveness. We need to learn how to apologize to people. This is what got that sportscaster in so much trouble, and he lost his job. And this is what loses friendships for us if we're not careful. We need to learn how to apologize. And it is an art. It doesn't come natural. You have to work at it. You have to pray about it. You have to ask God's divine help. But there are some steps that will help you. And I've got a few of them here. Now I Daniel was making fun of me a little bit earlier. But there, there's nine A's here of how to ask for forgiveness, how to make a good apology. Now I want to say this, I recognize this right off the bat, nine points are a lot. But they're good. Now I would say this, don't use this like a checklist. Like, okay, I did that one, I did that one. Don't do it that way. This is something you want to mull over, you want to ponder, you know, read over a few times, and then if God calls you to for, ask for forgiveness from someone, you can put it into, in, into action in a very natural way. And if you'd like a copy of this list, I'll, I'll send a copy to, to Daniel and to Nate, and you can get a copy from them, or you can come see me after the service, and I'll text it to you. But here they are. The nine A's of how to have a good apology. The first one is address everyone involved. A lot of times we're kind of short-sighted and we only apologize to one person when there was a number of people that were there that were part of it and and had some of that that stuff splash on them. And so you need to apologize to everyone involved. A lot of times what we'll do is we'll just go to the person that's easiest to talk to and not address everyone. So we need to address everyone involved. The second one is avoid if, but, and maybe. I think this is maybe one of the easiest uh, pitfalls that we fall into is we wanna explain away why we did what we did. I mean, it's just part of our human nature, isn't it? Well, I'm sorry I did this, but the reason I did it is because you did that, you know? And so what did you just do? You just kind of blame shifted, right? You just threw up a smoke screen. You, you kind of watered down your own apology. Don't do it. Don't fall into that deal. Don't use an if, but, or maybe. Just come clean and deal with your own stuff, right? I mean, everyone, you could point out their issues, right? But don't do it. Just Put those on a shelf and if they feel led later, maybe they'll come back and say they're sorry too. In fact, if you do a good job apologizing and asking for forgiveness, I'll bet they will come back and, and reciprocate. But don't make that your goal. You go in and just deal with your stuff. Here's another one. Admit specifically. Tell them exactly what you did wrong and that you realize it. And it was wrong. Be specific. Another thing to do is acknowledge the hurt, the pain that was caused. And this will give the other person solace knowing that you understand that you cause pain. And it will be helpful. It will help with, with the healing process for them and for you. Accept the consequences. Now, here's maybe one example of how uh, what a consequence might be. Is they may not still feel warm and fuzzy with you at that point. They may still be standoffish for a while. And you need to be okay with that. That's part of the consequences. It may take them a while for their head and their heart to meet, and so you need to be okay with that and allow them to have feelings and give them a chance to process. And so there may be consequences for it. And We'll talk about that more in a minute as well. The other thing is you need to alter your behavior. If you don't alter your behavior, then you're probably gonna do the same thing again. And the more times you go back and say you're sorry, which you need to do, it's going to be tougher. And it's going to be harder for them to believe you. And so you need to work on altering your behavior. But for all of us, that can be a process. So that person needs to be patient too. But you need to be persistent on working on repenting in changing your ways. When I think of changing your ways, I think again of another commentator I heard recently on the radio he said, Yeah, our team's trying to get it together. We're trying to go in a different direction. We've done a 360. <laughs> Think about that. <laughs> Don't do that with this. Do a 180, okay? It's better. It works better for you. <laughs> just a little tip. Uh, another one is allow the other person to share their emotions. Now, for me, that's a scary thing, you know. It's like, uh, tell me how you're feeling. Is this resonating? Because I'm really sorry and give them an open door to share their emotions. But it's important, and you just need to be able to listen and maybe reiterate what they said so they know you got it. And that will help them in their healing process. That's an act of kindness that you can give to them after you've offended them. And so allow them to share their their emotions and their feelings in it. And then make sure you ask, specifically ask for forgiveness. Have you ever been in one of those things where you're pretty sure they're saying they're sorry? But you're not really sure. So look them in the eye and say, I am sorry. Please forgive me. It's powerful. And I'll tell you what's really cool. And you may not always get this because the person may not be ready for it. And you need to be okay with that. That's part of the consequences. But what's really powerful is when they look you back in the eye and they say, I forgive you. That is such a powerful, freeing thing. So ask for forgiveness. And then the last thing is allow for final reflection. Ponder it. Allow God to touch your heart, to teach you things in it. So we need to be forgiving, but as a people, we need to know how to ask for forgiveness. Now, there are a couple little tidbits, key points I would offer to you, submit to you, to ponder that I think are important in this whole process. First of all, just because you forgive someone or you've been forgiven by someone doesn't mean that everything is going to be just as it was before. Because what you may have uncovered in that process that maybe you didn't have boundaries that needed to be, ba- be there. Boundaries can be a good thing. Now, you want to do boundaries out of wisdom, right? Not out of fear. Not out of vindictiveness. That would be wrong. But if you can do it with prayerfully and with wisdom, sometimes you have to put boundaries in that provide a healthier relationship for you. So sometimes things are going to change in your relationship. And I'll also say this, and this is easy to get confused, and I I think a lot of believers fall into this this misconception. It's this, that forgiveness and trust are the same thing. So if I've forgiven you, then I should trust you. And sometimes we hold that against someone. Hold on, you've forgiven me, you should trust me now. Well sometimes that is true, but not always. Not always is that appropriate. If they haven't changed, if they haven't repented, maybe trust is different. Your forgiveness needs to be up here. But sometimes trust should be down here because there hasn't been adequate repentance or acknowledgement of the mistakes that were made. And so sometimes trust takes a while to meet the level of forgiveness. And sometimes that comes through time. Now, this is a biblical thing. Now, let me give you some biblical examples. David and Saul... David had every reason to be angry, bitter at Saul. But somewhere, through God's grace, he dealt with it evidently pretty well. I'll give you a case in point. When they were in the, in the cave together, you remember that? David and his his guys were hanging out in the, in the cave. They hid in the back. Saul came up there, get out of the heat, and was sleeping there. While he was in pursuit of trying to find David and kill him, right? Well, David sees this. This opportunity, you guys know the story. He could have run him through, but he didn't. He cut a piece of his robe off. And even after he did that, he felt badly about it. I'm telling you, David wasn't harboring animosity at that time. If he did, he would have run the guy through. But he didn't. He released that. So I think at some level, and I know I'm taking some liberties here with the text, but at some level he had forgiveness in his heart for Saul. And he respected God's anointed. But he didn't trust them. Right? And sometimes there are situations in your life where you have to forgive. You see, forgiveness needs to come. Irregardless of whether the person recognizes their fault or admits it, you've got to give forgiveness for your own sake. Now, trust can come when they recognize their faults, they admit it, and they work on it. And time can bring those two things together, the forgiveness and the trust. But with David and Saul, it was a different story. Now, there are some cases in the Bible where, where you see it's kind of a modified result, you know, like Barnabas and Paul. They, they were partners in, in the ministry. They went on these missionary trips together doing great things for the kingdom, but they had a falling out. They had a hardship. They had a a pretty sharp, in fact, the Bible says it was a sharp disagreement over Mark, this young guy who was an assistant in the ministry. And Paul was, was put out with Mark. And Barnabas said, no, don't be put out with him. You need to give him a chance. And there was an argument. And they went their separate ways. But you know what we see later in Scripture, which is really cool, that somewhere along the way there was a mending there was forgiveness that took place. Because you, you see Paul in one passage, he says, hey, Barnabas is fully worthy of support. And he uh, beseeches this church to support Barnabas. Then later, you see where he asks for Mark to rejoin him in the ministry. And he says this, he says, it's because, he says, it's because he's useful to me. So there had been amending there. And there had been forgiveness between Paul and Barnabas. But the relationship still had been modified. It was still different. They, to our knowledge, never traveled again in missions, but they both served the kingdom together, and, and it looks as though they became friends again. And so sometimes things do change after we forgive, and they won't necessarily be back the way they were. Jacob and Esau is another case in point where there was this sibling rivalry, And I bet we could hear some stories about sibling rivalry in this room. Well, we see it in the Bible with Jacob and Esau. There's this incredible tension, and and there's some anger that needed to be there. I mean, there were some low-down, dirty, dastardly things that happened, right? But we see later in their lives, they had this divine meeting where there was really tender forgiveness and reconciliation that took place. And so that happened for Jacob and Esau. But they didn't become bosom buddies. They didn't become neighbors. They lived in different parts of the world. But they had reconciliation. Their relationship had changed. But there was forgiveness. Then we see some cases where there's forgiveness. But there's a, uh, the relationship's stronger. I think of Philemon and Onesimus. You remember that story? Onesimus, runaway slave, runs away from Philemon, as master. Paul leads him to the Lord, sends him back. And Onesimus and Philemon become more than just a master-slave sort of relationship. It's a brother relationship. Their relationship got stronger. There was forgiveness. Onesimus went back and said, Philemon, I am sorry. I ran away. Will you forgive me? And he forgave him and made him like a brother. And so that's pretty cool. So it happens, right? And there's lots of life examples, too, that we, we all have, you know, where, where sometimes we can forgive someone, but maybe it, it won't change everything right away. It might, but it might not. You know, if you've been in an abusive relationship, you need to forgive that person. But unless they've changed, you should still have some boundaries and, and, and have some thoughts about trust, what you can trust and can't trust from that person. That's not a wrong thing. But you also got to give room for God to change people and allow him to move in someone's heart and make them a new person, a new creation where the old is gone and the new has come. And you forgive them and you accept them back like Philemon did Onesimus. So here's, here's the deal. Trust and rest- restoration may be contingent on recognition and repentance, but forgiveness is not. It's given freely. We must forgive And we must be careful not to withhold love. And we need to always pray for that person. Again, we had a great testimony at the end of the service yesterday. I mean, uh, first service. And he said this. He said, I had a situation with a family member where there's a deep grievance. And how I got through it was praying for that person on a regular basis. And every time that bad feeling came up, I prayed and asked God to help me with it. And you know, it's true. If you're starting to pray for God's blessings on someone, you start listening to the Holy Spirit to guide you and praying for that person, it's hard to hate them. It's hard to hold on to that animosity. So prayer really does work. It works in your heart and it works in other people. So I encourage you to do it. I also had a sweet sister that I've known for years, came up after first service, and she said one thing that helps her is journaling. And so maybe that's something you can do. If you're struggling through this, Journal write it out. Write your prayers out to God. Sometimes it helps. Helps you be more specific in what you're asking. And then when it comes to asking for forgiveness, just own it. You know, we're all broken people. We've all blown it. Just admit it. Now, don't treat it like cavalier, but own it. Do your part in making peace with the other person, and seeking forgiveness. And regardless of how they respond to you, you can be at rest knowing that you did your part. And then pray diligently about what you're supposed to do next. So guys, we need to be a forgiving people. I know the church has gone through a rough time and been in transition. And one thing that's going to make this church shine is the forgiveness that is is evident in this place. I, I love what Nate said. This is a church built on the rock, not on sand. And the way people are going to recognize that and the way they're going to recognize that you're Christians is that you love with God's love and you forgive the way he forgave. And if you do that, you can survive anything. And so that's my prayer for you guys. I want to leave you with this challenge. The first challenge is this, is who do you need to forgive in your life? And I would bet just because we're all human and there's a lot of drama in everybody's life that there's somebody in your life right now Even as I'm speaking, someone that you know in your life that you need to forgive or forgive afresh. And that person may not even be alive. They may have died years ago, but you still hold this. And you need to go to God and say, God, I forgive this person. So who do you need to forgive? I challenge you before you put your head on your pillow tonight that you ask yourself that and turn it into a prayer. All right, the other one, which I think might be even more scary... Because who do you need to ask forgiveness from? Ask God to bring someone to mind. You may not even realized it. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, he'll bring someone to mind that you need to go and apologize to. And so I challenge you before you put your head on your pillow tonight. Say, God, is there someone I need to apologize to? And I encourage you to do the nine A's. You know, uh, you know, and I, I said this, you know, first service. You know, like if you're a guy and you're married and you need to apologize to your wife, a bouquet of flowers and that little card you get at the flower shop is not enough. It's not. It's, it, it can grease the slicks. It's not that you shouldn't do that, but it needs to be more than that. And I'll be honest. I like those little cards, right? One, they're free. And number two, they're really small, so you only put three or four words on them. So it's great, you know. But that's not enough when you're asking for an apology. It needs to incorporate at least part of those nine A's that we went over. And so who is it you need to ask for forgiveness of? And if you do that, you're going to find that you have wonderful, long-term, healthy friendships and relationships. Amen? Well, let's stand. Let me pray a blessing over this congregation and, and, and God's grace when it comes to the area of forgiveness and apologies. Lord, I just pray that you'd be doing a supernatural work in each of our hearts and our minds right now. And and, and throughout the day, that you'd be speaking to us on this subject. I pray first that each person represented in this this church, each family unit, each person that's represented would in some way have a supernatural revelation of your incredible, unconditional, forgiving love that you have for us. That we'd see your love for us in a more, more profound way than we ever have before. And Lord, I pray that that would lead us to be a forgiving people. That we'd with our heart and with the power of your spirit forgive those who have trespassed against us Lord help us to avoid the pitfalls that come from unforgiveness and that emotion that has gone bad help us to be a forgiving people Lord help us to be free of the chains that come with unforgiveness and Lord on the other side Lord I pray you help us to be good and quick and sincere in asking for forgiveness where we need to. That we'd be open and transparent. That we trust you in that. That you'd give us courage in it. And that we'd do it because that's who you are. And we'd do it out of obedience, but also out of a love for you, Lord. So help us to be that type of people. And may others see you in us. May others see you in this congregation, in this church, because of that forgiving nature. So Lord, we ask this.